Welcome to Album Clash, the podcast in which we take two albums that share a connection and pit them against each other inside the ring of death. Two albums enter, only one may leave. Metaphorically. This is Album Clash. Hello, this is Album Clash. Hey, pod you, your mama too. And your daddy. Hey, pod you, your mama too. <laughs> and your daddy. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> Hello, Kevin. How are you? I am all good. And I'm sure you're delighted to hear Daphne and Celeste thrown in. Lovely stuff. (laughs) Daphne Celeste, whom I have seen live. You have indeed. (laughs) Not for very long. No, indeed. Not for very long, indeed. And I don't think it was a particularly pleasant experience for them. Anyway. Happy New Year, Kevin. Indeed. Um, Feels a lot like mid-December 2022. <laughs> it's, it's like an echo from the past going into the uh, forthcoming year. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. So yeah, hope everyone had a lovely festive period. Welcome to 2023. From the past, Kev, what are we going through today? So today we are going through Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not, the debut album by Arctic Monkeys. Indeed. And we will be, at the end of this clash, scoring that against... Pulp's Different Class. Which, uh, if you haven't heard the first episode in this clash, I took us through two weeks ago. So go and listen to that, and then uh, we'll see you back here in about an hour or so. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, before we get into Arctic Monkey's debut album, uh, a couple of orders of business. My pick for Video Killed the Radio Star. And I have picked, well, it's a new video. It's the new single by a band we've talked about before on Album Clash, Orbital. And their new single, Ringa Ringa, featuring the medieval babes. Well, so it's taken from their forthcoming 10th album, Optical Delusion. Good name for an album. Uh, And the video is directed by Orbital themselves. Kev, describe the video. (laughs) This is going to be quite difficult for me to describe. <laughs> I'm not actually joking it because you didn't have. Have you not watched it yet? You didn't send it me. I did send it you. Oh no, you did. I tell like no, I haven't seen it. I didn't pick up the message. Ah, so there you go. So you've not picked it up, right? Okay. Well, I'll describe it. Okay. So the video, which Kev is not at all watching right now, whilst I am um, <laughs> describing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is definitely going in, by the way. Uh, right. So, the medieval babes appear in the video, which, well, basically shows them doing various pagan looking rituals, wearing scary animal head masks, dancing around, whilst the lead singer of the medieval babes sings a sinister version of Ringa Ringa Roses to the, to the music. Kev's <laughs> face is quite disturbing. It's, it is. It is quite a disturbing watch. You know the you know you know the South Park episode where the uh, woodland animals, which is a Christmas episode, <laughs> woodland critter Christmas. It's yeah. fucking brilliant, by the way. It's one of the best South Park episodes. Yeah, yes. where they're all demonic. Yes, it's basically that. <laughs> yes. Also with plague doctors in it. This. It's it, well. 
it's a really good song. It's very orbital. The video itself, it, it's got a very Chemical Brothers feel to it in that I can imagine if the video gets played at the live shows, it's going to send a lot of people's nights down a very dark path. Oh, they are not going to have a lovely time <laughs> with that. But yeah, I, 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 so it's a good tune too. I'm looking forward to the new album. I think we've established I like Orbital quite a lot. It's the second single, I think, from the album. They did uh, a song, I can't remember what it's called, with Sleaford Mods, um, whom I'm not a great fan of, but it's a good tune, actually. So I, I really like the um, the one they did with the Sleaford Mods. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Video Killed the Radio Star. Uh, we will post a link, but, um, yeah, don't have nightmares. <laughs> yeah, don't eat cheese before before watching the video. <laughs> no. That's That would be my suggestion. Fair. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, and uh, it's also my pick for album of the pod. Okay, what are you bringing to our attention? Well, by pure coincidence, Kev, as it happened. So your last pick was the Black Angels, a band who took their name from a Velvet Underground song. And by pure coincidence, the band I'm going to talk about also took their name from a Velvet Underground song. That So, the album I want to talk about is Souvenirs, which is the debut album by Pale Blue Eyes. Oh, yeah. I've heard bits of this. It's really good. So, space-age, shoegazy, indie synth rock. It's got hints of Depeche Mode, New Order, OMD, The Cure even, Krautrock bands like Can and Noi. It's fucking boss. Yeah, it's all... All good stuff. So, yeah, the album is called Souvenirs. Go and check it out. Yeah, I've not heard the whole album. I've heard bits of it, and what I've heard I very much like, so I would certainly be checking that out. Brilliant. Okay. But, yeah, that is me. So, over to you, Kev. So, just before before we go into the the album, at some point we will curate our albums of the pod into some kind of list format or something that you can yeah uh, we haven't worked out how we're going to do that yet but we'll do it at some point we'll sort so. something out yeah yeah indeed so uh, that's a promise of things to come on album clash hopefully it's quicker than it took me to get round to doing the spotify <laughs> list for... no comment i, I wasn't going to bring that up kevin <laughs> no I'm, I'm in the past now I, i'm happy i'm happy to admit to it do, what i would ask is so i'm not on spotify do you maintain the playlist I do maintain Oh, the very good. Playlist. Well done. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> right, Arctic Monkeys, come on. Okay, so debut album, released on the 23rd of January 2006 by Domino in the UK and 21st of February 2006 in the US. So the band themselves formed in 2002 and basically they managed to create a huge buzz mm. behind them, basically by giving away free demos to fans at the gigs and this is the era of MySpace, yeah. <laughs> which was huge. Which was huge in their in their uh, development and subsequent success because the fans of the band would upload the demos that that were given away at the gigs to MySpace, and these were frequently shared. And then, obviously, this is the era as well of BitTorrent and all that kind of thing. So um, files are being being shared and stuff. And during two thousand four. Loads of uh, their songs or incipient songs were shared across the internet, so much so there was an unofficial compilation album called Beneath the Boardwalk, 
which again got them huge attention and there's this massive buzz behind the band before even the first single comes out mm. can we just spend a, a, a second talking about a much simpler time for social media in the early 2000s myspace <laughs> I mean, do you remember that ITV, the holding company for ITV, paid a fuck ton of money for Friends Reunited, which then basically, <laughs> yeah. well, basically, like Facebook just went, oh yeah, you can just do that for now. <laughs> you don't have to pay a fee. <laughs> yeah. My God, Friends Reunited, yes. Oh Christ, they uh... paid like a huge amount of money for it as well. Like anyway, so yeah, the, so the Beneath the Boardwalk uh, compilation. So it had the tracks, Mardi Bum, I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, Fake Tales of San Francisco, Dancing Shoes, Still Take You Home, When the Sun Goes Down, uh, which was then known as Scummy or Scummy Man, and A Certain Romance. So basically most of the album was out on <laughs> on the internet before you know it was even put together and released. And that's a bold move. Yeah. To th- to, so they obviously saw the writing on the wall for physical music, the physical medium, if you like, at that time, and saw that people were, yeah, sharing music digitally and lent into it in a way that few of their peers did. I remember Radiohead did something around about that time where they were like, here's our new album, pay what you want for it. Yeah, yeah. Which, was that Moonshit? No, it wasn't. No, I think it was In Rainbows, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, sorry. So the album itself, the original release date was the 30th of January, but it was brought forward to the 23rd of January, officially according to it was related to high demand. However, it was believed that the move was an attempt to counter the effects of that it had been leaked onto file-sharing websites. Uh, The re-record album versions had been leaked onto the internet by December 2005. But despite this, on the first day of release became the fastest-selling debut album in British history, selling just under 120,000 copies on the first day. By the um, end of the week, it sold close to 364,000 copies. Fair play. So is that beating Be Here Now's record? No, but it's the fastest-selling debut. Ah, sorry, Dave. Okay, sorry. Ah, beating Elastica's record then. Indeed. Yeah. Um, So that first week... They sold more copies of that album than the rest of the top 20 albums combined. <laughs> Which, well, talks about the, the, the state of, of music sales at that time, I suppose. But fucking hell, wow, fair play to them. So, yeah, it's, it did all right. It, I, think it, I think it has to, it has to mm. be said. So, the uh, first single from the album was I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor. Mm-hmm debuted at number one in the singles chart in October 2005 uh, for one week, knocking uh, the Sugar Babes Push the Button off the top. <laughs> well, there you go. Which incarnation of the Sugar Babes was that? Was that the one that you were in or the one I was in? I uh, know, I was in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> were you a drummer in the fall? <laughs> no, like, if you're going to get replaced, you're definitely the bass player in the fall. <laughs> Oh, Mark E. Smith, what a curmudgeonly man. (laughs) Yes, that's putting it mildly. (laughs) Yes. um, So the second single from the album is When the Sun Goes Down. Again, debuted at number one, and it was second consecutive number one single. Mm -hmm. And they were 
fucking huge. Yeah, they were everywhere. By this point. Yeah. And we will go on to talk about this album as reportage and that that kind of thing very much throughout the album. And that's reflected in the in the album title. Yes. So it's a line taken from the novel Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, uh, written by Alan Silito. And Alex Turner uh, recognised the similarities between the two works and the appropriateness of the title. So he said, it's good because the book is called Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. And that's kind of what the album is. So there's a link there. So I was going to say, I was going to say that when you when you mentioned that book. So I, I'm not familiar with that book, but I was going to say that title itself. Yeah, because this is an album about going out. Yeah. So, and what what I was about to go into, so it was Saturday night, uh, Sunday morning is your class is one of your classic sixties British kitchen sink dramas, and that very much kind of fits in with the writing of the song as well. That it does talk of working uh, class life in the north and going out and like all the things you're going to do as as a young person in that time. So. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly it certainly fits fits really well. It does indeed. Okay, um, that's all I have for you. All right. Okay. Should we go into how we discovered it? Yeah. So how did you, how did you um, first discover it, Tim? Uh, so I may or may not have heard all of the songs on the album before the twenty third of January two thousand and six, <laughs> and I'm saying nothing more. How about you? I also may have heard <laughs> a lot of this album before it may have been released, but like there was a huge buzz around this band. There was, yeah. So I, I, I remember when I, in in two thousand and four when when the tracks were being shared, uh, and I heard some of them. So it was it was one that I was always going to gravitate towards because of that buzz. Yeah, and. So on the video for uh, Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, the first line that Alex Turner says is, don't, don't believe, believe the, the hype. Yeah. And I mean, I love, uh, I think we've talked about that video before. And we have. Sort of uh, harking back to those Granada mm-hmm. um, regional n- northern TV pro- music programs that yeah. were so, so important. It's got a proper low-rent retrograde feel to the camera work on that. It's, you expect Tony Wilson to walk exactly. walk into shot at any second. Or Fred Truman with a pint of bitter and a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, is, it absolutely is that though, isn't it? With that, like, yeah. the, you know, the tracking slightly off on the video kind of thing. Yeah, it's per- it's perfect, perfectly retro, but incredibly modern at the same time. Yes, indeed. So the artwork. Yes. So what? Right, I will. T- I will explain a little bit about it. So, do you know who it's a photo of? A fella smoking a cigarette whilst he's pissed. So the it's a black and white photo of Chris McClaw, close friend of the band, Troy's lad, and brother of Reverend and the Makers lead singer John McClaw. Oh right, okay, there you go. Not Troy's lad then. So the photo was taken in the early hours of the morning at the Carova Bar in Liverpool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> The band had given him, his cousin, and his best friend seventy quid to spend on a night out, and he went into the he went into the photo booth that was in Carova and had his photo taken, and that was it. So, a couple of things, right? 
Because he's clearly he's clearly looking like he's had a good night by that time. He's a bit worse say. for wear, yeah. So them's the days where you could go out with your mate with seventy quid between you and get to that state. So you know that that's showing its age. Um, well, what what also shows his age? So which we'll definitely cover when we get to it is: um, Do you think he was having to wear shoes? Shoes and a pair of cacks. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, it's the you can't. Yeah, no no trainers going inside the club. But no, what I was going to talk about is like, it's, so, again, something to date it, he's, he's smoking indoors. Yeah. Like, so this is pre-smoking band, which, was that 2007? The so, interesting, interestingly, you bring up uh, smoking. Oh, go on. So, the image itself caused some controversy when uh, Lawrence Grewer of NHS Scotland criticised the cover for reinforcing the idea that smoking is okay. Oh, fuck off. The band's product manager denied the accusation and, in fact, suggested the opposite. You can see from the image that smoking is not doing him the world of good. A very fair point, actually. (laughs) Um, Billboard advertisements for the album use a a similar image, but without the cigarette. Ah, fair enough. So, how does it compare to the different class cover? It's not as good, is it? No. I like the font on Arctic Monkeys. Yep, good font. But different class is a much better album. Cover. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, <laughs> well, showed you that there, Kev. <laughs> um, Ooh, no, that, I, ha- I certainly haven't decided on that. Uh, no, I agree. Different Class is a better album cover. I mean, it's it, it, because of the success of this album and the lasting success of Arctic Monkeys, it has become a very famous album cover. Um, but Different Class is better. Okay, so... If there's nothing more to say, then... Nope, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, we open the album with View from the Afternoon. Yeah, boom. And, I mean, so we said said when we went through different class about um, setting your stall out. Fuck me, they set their stall out. So, I'm going to say this now because uh, it's just a given on every track on the album. My God. God, Matt Helders is a fucking brilliant drummer. That I mean, we're definitely going to be talking loads about Matt Helders, but yeah, considering how young he is, exactly. And I mean, they're they're, they're all really accomplished musicians. Because mm-hmm. what else have you got? So on the song, you get no time to settle. You've got a drum roll and bang, you're straight in. You've got a really good baseline wandering over it i and i really love the dueling guitars that play mm-hmm. every second chord it's a real especially with the fact that they they span to different different speakers one comes yeah, out yeah. left one comes out the right it's a really clever production touch that oh wow hairs on the back of your neck straight into it get up great stuff yeah and it's it's a clever choice in terms of opening your album so you've not gone with the most obvious that you could have gone with mm-hmm. but what you've like this this was a band that you know was talked about like sort of it's garage it's um it's punky it's so you don't want to open with a ballad you don't want to open with something that's slow you come in slap slap them around the face with a big wet fish and it, that's exactly what it does. And just whenever I first hear the opening bars of this, it reminds me of the sheer excitement I had when I first heard it. Definitely. Because you actually hear it and go, this is not your average garage band. There's a lot more to these guys than 
banging tunes and DJ sets. Yeah. <laughs> and dreams of naughtiness. It, as I said, they are really accomplished musicians, so young as well, as you said. It is an exciting start to the album. It is, all right, you've heard the singles. Well, you've heard the whole fucking album by now. <laughs> <laughs> but you've heard the single. You know what we're about, but actually we're about more than that. And when you, so with the benefit of hindsight, when you look at now how the band has developed in the what? Well, 15-odd years since, 17 years nearly mm-hmm. since this album came out. I think you can see the seeds of it in tracks like View From The Afternoon. Yeah, definitely. They're really mature Yeah, for a band that's only been knocking around for, what, four years when this mm-hmm. comes out? Exactly. Yeah, it's a brilliant start. I love it. Okay, so then we move on to Bet You Look Good On The Dance Floor. Indie disco classic. Yep, absolutely. What a song. It, the thing is, like, considering how overplayed it was, yeah, how like as you say, indie disco staple. The the fact that you could never really get away from it, it still sounds fresh. It, it still sounds exciting. So, what is so great about this, or what makes this such a great tune, is that it is conceptually really simple, mm-hmm. and that is in no way to denigrate it. So. View from the afternoon, as I said, demonstrates how accomplished they were as a band. This is just, as I said, it's an indie disco classic because it, you've got a really simple chord progression. You've got a really great catchy hook and it's got a rhythm. You, you can just pogo around to this song until your fucking lungs burst. It has got all the ingredients of a perfect pop banger. Yeah. Like it's it's got a really memorable chorus mm-hmm. that get that absolutely gets into you, and it shows how brilliant. I mean, at, at this age as well, and we will de- obviously we're going to talk about this as well. What a brilliant lyricist uh, Alex Turner is, because oh, yeah. like the turn of phrase that's that's used in here is is fantastic, and there's so as you say, so many great hooks that just worm you worm the way in. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, it is brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I, I have nothing more to add to it. You've summed it up perfectly there. Okay, so we then move on to Fake Tales of San Francisco. I mean, you've just talked about Alex Turner being a brilliant lyricist, and I'm just going to read one line to you here. All the weekend rock stars are in the toilets practicing their lines. That's a fucking brilliant lyric. And I mean, the dripping disdain that's throughout this. Because... Yeah, we've we've all met those fellas, the fucking posers at the party, probably back, so this is 2006, wearing a fucking Ben Sherman shirt, three sizes too small, who try to impress everyone by fucking endlessly bullshit. Basically, this is the anthem of Jay from the Inbetweeners. <laughs> We've all, we we know exactly who this is written about, and they've probably got an acoustic guitar to play Wonderwall yeah, later exactly. on. <laughs> With a trilby. Um, I mean, it reaches its apogee with the line, and I adore this line. You're not from New York City, you're from Rotherham. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I mean, quite know the distance, but, but I'm, I'm sure, sure it's very far. far. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. It's just, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Um, so I said Ben Sherman shirt. Of course, nowadays these are the types of fellas that dress like fucking pound shop peaky blinders. 
Yes. Which, if that's you, fuck off. Ruining the flat cap for the older gents. <laughs> yeah. They'll be taking whippets next. I like I like a flat cap. I have, as you know, I have I have had flat caps for a long time. And indeed. now I can't wear them because no. dickheads have stolen them. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I really, really love Fake Tales of San Francisco. I do. So let's talk musically again. It's got a really great rhythm. It's got really simple chords, um, which are actually the chords from China Girl. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, and this is where I fell in love with Alex Turner as a lyricist. Yeah, it's the so it's brilliantly done because you've got the you've got the kind of story mm-hmm. element at the start, and then you've got his withering criticism at yeah. the at the end, and it's brilliant i mean and so as we say get so, off the bandwagon and put down the handbook yeah like so many so many lines in there so his bird says they're amazing so it's proof that love's not only blind but deaf great in it yeah i i um i love it yeah brilliant okay so tim get on your dancing shoes yeah i mean it's a simple song about going out and trying to pull basically I, well it's the perfect encapsulation and that's why i'm really glad that you know we could talk about saturday night sunday morning it's this Mm. perfect encapsulation of the frustration of a young fella trying to impress a girl but being too scared and it's like you're hearing his inner monologue yes debating whether come on you sexy little swine like talking himself up but like oh shit if i make a dickhead of myself i might screw it up well, and it's like, the, and I forget the exact lyric, but it's like, it's the only reason you've come out. Yeah. What you stood there for, boy. Yeah. She's the only reason that you came. Yeah. It's because, again, in our youth, we've all been there. We've all, we've all done it. That sort of, that sort of trying to be, trying to be aloof and going, no, I've, I've come out, I've just come out to have a, have a, have a few drinks and have a good time. I'm not, I'm not interested in, in any of that. Trying to lie to yourself. It, again, it it shows you the. So we're going to talk loads about his writing, and it is brilliant because it does speak to that experience as a as a younger fella. Yeah, but musically as well. Like again, right. the drumming, the, the drumming. rumbling toms that start yeah. off. Dum, 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 it's really good. It's it's as though it's as though that is the the protagonist's heartbeat. Oh, nice! I like that. Yeah, that's we've we've gone proper South Bank show now. <laughs> I, t- I hope I don't start sounding like Melvin Bragg. <laughs> what is it when you, you've got to think about Melvin Bragg? He's all right. <laughs> no, it's like so. I like in in our time. It's just the uh, Melvin Bragg. Like I suppose it's it, he's very much of our generation, and like he represents a certain thing. He to... is a f- he is a fan of his own uh, intellect. Fart. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Okay, but Dancing Shoes, it's great and it's dead exciting. It's a yep. really exciting tune. Exciting is right. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so you probably couldn't see for the lights, but you were staring straight at me. Great title. Yes. Again, really well performed. It's really well put together. And the drumming. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I have to say, this doesn't stand out to me, this track. It's not bad. It just kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I, 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 you know, I, I, that sounds really critical, and I, I don't mean it as such, but it's not as good as the two or three that have preceded it, and it's not as good as the 
two or three that are going to come next. So it's sort of, it just it, is. Yeah, it, unfortunately for it, it sits in between an absolutely phenomenal start and then some lyrical brilliance that's come that's coming up hmm. and it pales into insignificance next to him. It's perfectly it's perfectly good. What I will say is in terms of the subject matter, it's very well placed. Mm-hmm. But because this is in a run of songs which are all about trying to pull yeah. when you're off when you're out, you know. So this is the unobtainable girl. She's not interested, but you're still gonna have a go. So What I like about the whole album here is that it it is spun together as a cohesive narrative. Yeah, thematically it works. Mm, It does, it does. And so whilst the song itself isn't a standout, I think the way it flows from what's gone before Mm. into the next is, is really good. But yes, the drumming is excellent. Yeah. Okay, we are absolutely flying through these. We um, are. So, still taking... So, uh, that's, cool. Sorry, before you go on to... So, we are absolutely flying through them. And there's only there are only two tracks on the album that, that go over four minutes. Mm-hmm. So, it's a 13-track th- album, but it rockets along at a hell of a pace. Yeah. And there's a load of sub-three-minute tracks on there. Which I am bang into. <laughs> There's a reason I there's a reason that I picked this album and it doesn't hang around. No, it doesn't. Okay, still take you home. Mm, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I mean, is this essentially describing a hate shag? <laughs> well, no, I don't think it is. I think it's actually the song that, you know, you're fit but you know it by the streets wants to be, i.e. good. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's describing here. It's that, my God, you're stuck up, you are. But I really fancy it. That's what I think it's describing. Maybe I'm wrong. No, uh, I think that's a perfectly a perfectly good read. Like, But the the character whose monologue you hear, he's all, like, it's, it's a kind of, I don't feel right about this, but I still quite fancy it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe. But Again, the the writing is brilliant. It's really clever, and the the lyrics are really really great. And again, it, there's a reason that this album did really well because it it speaks to it speaks to that experience. That how many lads of their age were doing this and were having these thoughts at, yeah. at that time. It's in this. It differs from different class, whereas different class was speaking to the seedier underbelly of elements of working class culture and to the class divide this yeah this resonates because it's describing what people up and down the country are doing every saturday night and at this time in the mid 2000s yeah we were all going out on a saturday night having a load of beers in a shit club where as you said you had to wear shoes and a decent pair of chinos otherwise you weren't getting in Thank fuck for that. That era's over. Fucking like, shit. Oh, wasn't you're not it? wearing you're not wearing trainers, so you can't come in. Oh, fuck off. No, I, I'd like to go to a place where you're not wearing trainers, so you can't come in. <laughs> <laughs> no, shite. Absolutely agree with you. Um, yeah. I, I, so the writing's really good. We've praised the drumming an awful lot. I think there's some really good guitar work. Mm-hmm. You still take your own. A really nice guitar solo in the middle of this. Yeah, really, like, and this album definitely, like, obviously this era, you you think of some of the their contemporaries who 
who were coming out, the influence of sort of 80s jangly garage bands and that kind of thing. So, you know, you, you kind of like your Gang of Falls, your The Fall, Joseph K, these kind of bands that you can see the you can see the influence on them. And yeah. like the contemporaries are Block Party, Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. It's all very much of that kind of that kind of style. Yeah, definitely. Very good. Okay. Oh, rolls a riot van. Yeah, what a lovely pared down. Mm-hmm. And again, very well placed number to put in at this at yeah. this part of the album. Calms everything down a little it bit. It does. It does. It's a really, really nice lament. Beautifully and wryly observed. Yeah. And a, yet again, its brilliance is in its relatability. Mm-hmm. We've all been on that night out where it's turned sour, where someone's had a few too many and it's all kicked off. And so we sit in ponderance and regret as to where it all went sour. And um, and again, there's some fucking really good lyrics in this about, you know, they wind the coppers up, ask why they don't catch proper crooks and, and all that. It's like, yeah, yeah if, someone's always got to be a dickhead when the busies turn up, haven't they? Why aren't you out catching proper crooks? Yeah, yeah. it's fucking, it's, yeah, it, I really, really like Riot Van. I think, I think Riot Van's brilliant. And it reminds me of a th- of some a song that that we both love, and you, I know you absolutely adore, which is "Lippy Kids" uh, by Elba. Yes, oh God, yes. So, because again, you've got that perfect wry observation of that culture, that yeah, that yeah, gathering. Of, yeah, a hundred percent. And well, Guy Garvey and Alex Turner, both uh, avuncular northern gents, uh, who are. Fond of a of a turn of phrase, indeed. So yeah, we move on to another fantastically observed and brilliantly written song. Red light indicates doors are secured. So for, let's just talk about the title of this song. Yeah, because it tells you everything you need to know about what it's about without saying at it. the same time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's the story of a night out being told from the taxi ride home. You're reminiscing about it yeah. in the moment with your mates. It's like everyone, everyone's piled into the taxi. You're on, you're on your way home. So even like there's interjections um, to say it's something like uh, going to Green Lane via Hillsborough, um, yeah. and you know, like so, yeah, you're just chipping into the to the driver whilst you're telling telling about what you've been up to, and someone went to went to the bank to get to get cash out, and all and, this... they, and then they try to fit six lads in a single taxi as well, and the taxi driver tells them to do one, especially since they got yeah. food, and it's just brilliant and and tropical reef. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Alco Pops for a minute? Oh because my god! Fucking hell, that was what like what was that chat about? <laughs> Well, it was about encouraging underage drinking, Kev. That's what it was about. Well, I mean, like, I can remember, like, and obviously, you know, Hooch, Bacardi Breezers, all... Bacardi Breezers, oh, oh my God. Perfect way to celebrate the cup final. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell that story now. <laughs> so, um, after a cup final that uh, Liverpool won, we met up with my sister's partner at the time who hadn't managed to get a ticket. And basically, the Liverpool fans who'd gone down to Cardiff had drunk the bar tinderbox dry. There was <laughs> nothing. 
apart from Bacardi Breezers. So he, he, he met us outside the ground and passed us a Bacardi Breezer to celebrate victory. And my dad's face was possibly one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, but yeah, that line about that line about tropical. I'd love to see your dad drinking a Bacardi Breezer. <laughs> Smear off ice. <laughs> Fucking spurn off. There was there was there was loads yeah, of yeah. wicked. Fucking, I ate like you can. Can you still? But do people still buy blue wicked and the iron brew? What is fuck? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've se- I've seen like big bottles of it in um, the B and M, but like what? I've never seen anyone yeah, buy see, big bottles of hooch in the B and M as well. But no one fucking buys them. <laughs> it's, it's similarly diamond white and fucking. Uh, anyway, so. But even that line about Tropical Reef is, it's so cleverly woven in and it's such a mm-hmm. clever observed lyric. Like, you know, she would, she was beyond belief, but before I could make me move, some fella turns up and pays for a Tropical Reef. It, <laughs> it, it's just, this is, and again, right, so we've talked about the lyrics. It's a really good bounce along yeah. track, this. The riff throughout it, it's really catchy. Again, it doesn't stick around too long. It gets everything done that it needs to in the space of three minutes. Brilliant stuff. Love it. Yeah. Okay. And we move on to a song that is very much a staple of their live set. And spoke spoke to people, spoke to anyone who's been in a relationship. Uh, so it's Marty Bum. So for if you're if you're not not from England, basically someone someone in a mood. Yeah. A mar- like a mad ass. We exactly. call him, we'd say mad ass, mardy bum. It's the same yeah. thing, really. And the way it's written, it's like a brilliant sort of piece of sixties kitchen sink drama. Um, it absolutely perfectly describes a fella trying to make up with his girl, and like you know, saying, "Oh, hey there, mardy bum." He's trying to get round her because he's late. You know, she's in a mood with him, and he's trying to get round there. Like anyone who's ever been in a relationship. Has had has been there. I hate this song. Really? Yeah, always have. So I, I I know what I'm about to say makes me a hypocrite, but on this one, I think the colloquialisms are just spread a little too thickly, and by a little too thickly, I mean a lot too thickly. So there's that, there's that, uh, but we talked, we went through different class the other week around a lot of the people that came to listen to pulp and go to the gigs and stuff they didn't get it well i say the same about this album and about this song in particular yeah i i would agree i would agree with that that it brought a crowd to this band because people understood the sentiment behind this song so and this is this is going to sound like like a minor thing but it winds me in a fuck up this is the song in there, because it is a staple of live sets. This is the song where you usually see dickheads lifting their girlfriends onto their shoulders so they can sing and clap along with the songs. Like, fuck off, you're blocking me view. And I'm a tall fella. <laughs> like, fuck off. I hate it. Sorry. Hate but, um, it. Fair enough. I, I have a lot more fondness for it, personally. Uh, okay, uh, fine. That's and you are quite right that it, it, it is again extremely relatable, and that's how mm-hmm. it's become so so loved because everyone's been in that position, as you said, when you're a couple, especially when you're young. Exactly, you're trying to you're trying to get round the argument without confronting things head on. Mm-hmm. I get it. Fine. I just really, really have never liked this song at all. Sorry. No, I mean, fair, fair enough. 
Okay, so we will move on to perhaps Vampires is a bit strong, but... Great title. Mm-hmm. So the song, if I interpret it correctly, is basically eviscerating, sneering, and ripping to pieces the condescending hangers-on yes. within the music business. All you people are vampires. I know you're certain will fail. Essentially, the, yeah, the people that like were making out, oh yeah, we re- we're really behind you, but actually didn't want them to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a good, it's got a good edge to it. I like it. I don't love it. I think, and maybe it's to do with the fact of the rest of the album that it goes on a bit too long for me. Yeah, well, it's one of the it's one of only two that clocks in over four minutes, and it is it is quite long. Um, I have more fondness for it than you do. Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of the standout tracks on the album. I really like the there's two sort of breakdowns and freakouts yeah. almost within there that I really like. I like the way it stops and then it just goes, "Oh, you people are vampires!" and comes back in again. And I think the way this song is structured again gives an indication of of where they were going in the long term. There's more to these lads than just catchy indie pop songs and clever witticisms. So, yes, I would agree it's surprising that they chose this one to be one of the longer ones on the album. But I think there's a lot to offer on this, I have to say. Mm -hmm. I do quite like it. Okay. So, we then move on to the song that was known as Scummy Man, When the Sun Goes Down. So, written about... um, well, yeah. So, written about someone who uh, frequenting who, a red light. Well, houses of ill repute, a red works. light district, um, curb crawling. Well, he told Roxanne to put on her red light. Yeah. Another phenomenal lyric, by the way. It's another indie disco classic, and, and isn't that mad? That it's it's an indie disco classic, like. Musically, you can perfectly understand why, but like the whole, the whole story, the whole thing about about the song, it's really seedy, really dirty, and it's it's grubby. And like she she gets in the car with this fella that she knows is is a wrong one, but it's really cold. Yeah, and you know, and 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 the video. Am I wrong that Stephen Graham plays the scummy man in the video? Stephen Graham is the scummy man. I thought so. Who like who is? A phenomenal actor, by the way. Mm-hmm. Big fans of Stephen Graham. So I thought it was Stephen Graham, but the video really depicts that yeah. perfectly because he is a scummy man in that video. It's I know exactly what you mean. And I think thematically, this is probably the closest to the songs of different class mm-hmm. because of that. It talks about the seediness, the, the unpleasantness of things. There's a tenderness is the wrong word. There's an empathy to this song. You know, I hope you're not involved at all. The lyrics right at the end, uh, so it's very much speaking to the exploitation mm-hmm. of of. It's sympathetic towards the prostitute. Yes, there you, you go. know it's yeah. it's not criticizing her. It's like mm-hmm. be careful because he he's a wrong one. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like musically, it's a fucking rammer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I would like this to go on. So we talked about the fact that perhaps vampires is a bit strong. Is is surprisingly over four minutes. I think this comes to something of an abrupt end. I'd like a bit more of this. Yeah, I I could I could do with a bit more mm. if I'm if I'm honest. Yeah, but um, but it's a great song, and you will all be familiar with it because uh, if it's not, but you look good on the dance floor that comes on the in the disco, it'll probably be this one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, 
so when it bloody hell, we we are absolutely flying through. So the penultimate song on the album, we go from the Ritz to the Rubble, and we talked we talked earlier about the difficulties in the in this era of even being able to get in get into mm. a place, and this talks perfectly about yeah. being refused entry by. A bouncer who doesn't like the fans, the look of you. Doesn't like the look of you. Yeah, exactly. You're like, not yeah, in. You, you ain't coming in, and you've got to walk. Your name's not Dan. You're not coming in. You've got to walk past ten thousand eyes in the line. Yeah, and again, thank God that that attitude seems less prevalent now. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way, because it just it just made going out so unappealing. It's again relatable because mm-hmm. it perfectly tells that story of, of fuck off you but like you're about seven times the size of me but he said talks about two of them doesn't he yeah and it's that thing about again like perfectly relatable the like bouncers of that of that era particularly that they kind of wanted it to kick off so they of course could, they did so Show they could give they some, so they could give someone a kick in and then talk yeah. about how hard they were yeah exactly is this about the ritz in manchester or not about the but does the ritz of the Ritz to the Rebel, refer to the Ritz in Manchester with its bouncy dance floor. <laughs> I do not know. It was Not only was it bouncy, but it was also revolving, if you recall. Yes, I do recall. Yes, very much so, yeah. <laughs> Worth a visit to the Ritz. If it's, I'm not sure it's still around. Yeah, but, it's still, um, like, you can still yeah. go to gigs there. Yeah, yes, indeed. Great baseline on this. Yeah. The energy throughout this is fucking phenomenal. There's a, there's a really good Build up to the crescendo at the end of the track. It kind of so we talked we talked at several points about the music reflecting the story in the yeah. in the song, and it kind of musically reflects the impotent rage of you, you can't <laughs> yes, yes. you can't you you can't take anything out on the bouncer because you're going to get a pasting. So you you're angry, but you, you it's it's directed nowhere. Exactly, and so what will happen is you're lying in bed that night, and you're like it'll it in your mind it will kick off, and you'll kick the shit out of him in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great stuff. And then, well, I guess we're on to the closer. Okay, so we end with a certain romance, um, the longest song on the album, and it's it's basically a how do I describe it? It's it's a song about skulls. And it's it's an ode to them that it talks it talks positively and also negatively about scallies. Yeah. What I love about this is in a similar way to common people, though not as overtly, this similarly eviscerates derision directed mm-hmm. towards working class youth at this time and and the way that binge drinking culture was was stoked up again by the tabloids as being a threat to our very existence, Benefit Street and 24 hours in, in, in police custody and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas the song's going, well, what the fucking hell do you expect? There's, these people have got fuck all going for them around where they are. they they got jobs are shite. So why the fucking hell wouldn't they want to go out and get absolutely bladdered at the weekend? What's wrong with it? Leave them be. Although I am with Alex Turner about calling out a classic Reebok. <laughs> Shite. Or tracky bottoms tucked in socks. Hey, some, yeah, I, sometimes when it's cold, I will I will tuck me tracky bottoms into me socks. But yeah, classic Reeboks. Well, the thing is, so so that that was that was very much in the late nineties. It was the rig out. 
It was it definitely that. That was the tight, the tight fitting Lacoste polo shirt mm-hmm. with fucking skinny jeans and Reebok classics. Yeah, they can fuck off. Whereas, whereas now, obviously, it's um, it's a North Face jacket, maybe Montero or Under Armour uh, trackies with uh, one tens. Uh, Stone Island. <laughs> <laughs> That's only if you want to get the badge in. <laughs> so I think. Well, I said it's a bit like Common People, but I think it's also a bit like Ease and Wiz. So I'm trying to compare the two albums. Mm-hmm. It doesn't celebrate this, that culture, this, the Skellies, but it certainly doesn't decry them. It shines a light on it. It's got a poignance to it, but it still has that sort of knowing sneer. And I fucking love this song. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. And it's a brilliant way to end the album, like yes. musically, like the way it the way it builds and then that long sort of outro is brilliant is fantastic and it it absolutely bookends this album that you Great. you want yeah. some you want something a bit extended and it it works so well yeah i agree you talked about the way it builds at the start it's a bit like a false start isn't it because you've got that sort of Wipeout style drum roll. The riff comes in. It's you know, it's, it's you think this is going to be absolutely huge, but then no, they just they they undercut all that, not in a bad way, but they just bring it right down with that really delicate guitar riff. And then, like I said, then the outro is just that extended, not done yet, not done yet. Mm-hmm. Brilliant way to end the album, as you said, bookends it really, really well. All kinds of good. And there we are. Mm, indeed, we are rocketed through 13 tracks but like i said the album itself doesn't stick around does it no it's not it's not a long album um okay so critically it did all right um (laughs) so the enemy declared as they would do uh the arctic monkeys are generation's most important band and they described uh, Turner's lyrics and depiction of Sheffield, the night lives of teenagers, and described him as a master of observation, which I do agree with. Yep, I would agree with the with the first part as well. Actually, at what they have they have come to be proven right on that. I was what I would say. So in the the Libertines are disintegrated by this time, hadn't they? And they were on. They may not have disintegrated, but they were on their way out. Yeah. And Arctic Monkeys definitely came to fill that position as the, the, the standard bearers for this new age of of, of British guitar music. Mm-hmm. Uh, music OMH wrote that um, it was a sort of guitar rock that makes you fall in love with music all over again and particularly cited a certain romance as a standout track being a wonderfully articulate dissection of youth culture that belies Turner's tender years. Uh, yep, yeah, agreed again, spot on. So what did he say? <laughs> so what did Robert Crisco say? Well, we know from Top Trumps the other week that he gave it an A-, minus, so he liked it. Uh, again, it's, uh, you know, it's about 300 words. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, he said, the great thing about this album is how untranscendent it is, as if these lads know the guitar band pleasures are cons. Sing-along tunes, breakneck momentum, next big thing ambition, Saturday night swindles everyone. 
Instead, Alex Turner and crew evoke club life as it is actually experienced. They sound like not knowing the doorman, like moving on a girl you think isn't pretty enough, like missing the bus in a leather jacket that doesn't keep out the cold. Many details are too UK-specific for yank yob gratification, but aesthetes will come to enjoy Turner's nuanced adenoids and his bandmates' thought-through arrangements. Just say you like it, Nobby. Just say it's good, this. So, unusually, there were some things that were actually relevant. Um, oh, yeah, but, but he, he, he still to... He still Chris cowed it up. Well, he, uh, he's, he's got to shoehorn phrases and words in there which just like look at me i'm so clever yank yob gratification <sighs> so i'm just going to read um the, so a later uh retrospective re- uh, review from the rolling stone which is uh, written seven years after its release so they wrote that Turned out that all the monkeys needed to conquer the world was scrappy lager fueled tunes about being young and bored in a bleak steel town, thanks to Turner's big bag of creaky melodies and the band's snaggletooth guitar attack. Even America couldn't resist pub punk gems like the raging sexy. I bet you look good on the dance floor. Spot on. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of legacy for the band, they were never heard of again. Yeah, um, did all right. The album <laughs> and the band, you know, they they released their follow up album, Favorite Worst Nightmare, pretty quickly after after the initial success of of this album. And you know, they have they have continued to release pretty pretty regularly. So yeah, um, you know, they they released Humbug, Suck It and See, released uh, sorry, produced by Joshua Hom mm-hmm. of uh, Queens of the Stone Age. It's not a very Queen of the Stone... Like, there are elements of Queen of the Stone Age in there, but funnily enough, the album afterwards, AM, yeah, yeah. sounds much more like Queens of the Stone Age. That's what I've always thought. Uh, so I would say AM, to me, is their best album. I think it's fucking great. You mentioned they've released things regularly. I think they've... Prolific is the word mm-hmm. I would use. So they've just... so. What, every the, couple of years, really. The car is what their seventh album, eighth album, something like that. It's, That's just been released last year. Yeah, so it's their seventh album uh, released late late last year. Seven albums in the space of what fifteen years? Yes, That's, it's not it's an bad. album every two years, based two and a bit years, basically. Yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, so I I wouldn't necessarily say AM is their is their best album. Like we we could have a debate about that, but okay, it's my favorite album. But AM is is a cracking album. The the subsequent albums, particularly Tranquility, Base Hotel and Casino, divisive, very divisive. And what do you think of Tranquility, Base Hotel and Casino? I I'm never quite sure what I think of it. There are elements about it that I like, but there are also elements of it where I go, yeah, I get it, I get it, Alex. You really like uh, Scott Walker. You don't have to just basically be him now. <laughs> it, it, it's I've I would describe it as their Zuropa. So I was gonna I was gonna uh, say it's their kid A. Well, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which, you know, it, the anal- the analogy holds. Yeah, yeah. It certainly was very divisive, and the the car. I haven't heard the car yet. I have to say. So I have heard the car. It's much more tranquility base than I am. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But yeah, they are still still knocking about. They they've 
played Glastonbury relatively recently. Haven't they headlined three times? Three times, yeah. Fair play. Um, and yeah, they, you know, they continue to be a shining light for British guitar music, really. Yeah, I think, as I said, you, you could sort of see the seeds being sown of what they were to become on this album, but I don't think anyone, even with the buzz that was around them in the run-up to whatever people say I am being released... I don't think anyone would have predicted their longevity and the fact that they've had two or three albums, not just this one, that have been real cultural touchstones. Because mm-hmm. I would say AM yeah, definitely. similarly captures the time in which that was released. What was that? AM was 2000 and... It's about 13. 13, 14, yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, fair play to them for that stamina i guess yeah well i mean if most of their contemporaries have split up and then reformed you know mm-hmm. they they've continued going they've received a subsequent further three mercury prize nominations they haven't won but they you know they they've still been critically lauded for yeah. for their work and you know i as you say i i didn't i didn't think they'd last this long um no nope. So fair play to you, lads. Indeed. Okay. So, what's your best song? What's your worst song? All right, I'll do my worst song first because it's no surprise. It's Mardi Bum. I've never liked it. Really, really don't like it at all. And the best song, again, it's an easy pick for me. It's a certain romance. I think it's a brilliant closer. I think it's a really cleverly observed, poignant song. And it's also a banger. So there you go. Okay, um, for me, uh, so worst song is perhaps Vampires is a bit strong. Goes on a bit too long for my liking. There's loads of brilliant stuff on here. That, so Dancing Shoes, um, Red Light Indicates Doors Are Shut, When the Sun Goes Down, Fake Tales of San Francisco. But it's a certain romance. It's the best song on the album. It is. Yeah, it is, definitely. All right. Okay. Time to make our decision and give our scores. So, it's your pick. So, as is tradition, you lead us off and then bring us home. Okay. So, different class. An album that means a hell of a lot to me. Uh, It's been in my life for a long time. You know, there's, there's just absolutely brilliant moments throughout it. It opens fantastically. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It takes you places that you don't necessarily want to go, but Jarvis wants to shine a light on. And it it takes you all over the place. You know, you've you've got you've got something like I Spy. You've got Live Bed Show. You've got Sorted for Ease and Wiz. There's so much that that's really clever. And I'm always gonna gonna be a sucker for an album that eviscerates middle england <laughs> so you know you, you're onto something there for me it's really it's really hard to score this i'm gonna come down with an eight out of ten okay so similarly this album means a hell of a lot to me as we both said the other week pulp one of our bands this was one of our albums this was our time this is our thing I think it is fitting that this album, along with Morning Glory, you've got to say, is the one that is most celebrated from that era, despite the fact that they always try to distance themselves from the Britpop movement 
I think it is testament, I say, to, to their place in in British music, royalty, if you like. And it's because of this album, mostly. There are two or three absolute classics on here. Common People, obviously. Disco 2000, though it's not a particular favourite of mine, is still played routinely on radio stations. Ease and Whiz, Miss Shapes is a great track. Then you've got album tracks, as you said, like I Spy, like Feeling Cold Love as well. Bar Italia is a great way to close the album. I think both of these albums are spun as really good narratives. They, 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 they're not concept albums, either of them, but they are really coherent and really cohesive in the way they tell their stories. Yeah, Jarvis wants you to be uncomfortable when you listen to this album because he's shining a light on the CD underbelly, both of the class system in this country and of the uh, private lives of, of, of the subjects of the album. And he does it in such a way as to entice you in and to make you want to see more. You can't look away. You're, you're enthralled by it. And that is not just him, but it's the band, it's the production. It creates that tapestry for him to do his thing. And so I'm going to score more highly than you. Whilst there are one or two songs on here that I am not a great fan of, the cultural import of the album cannot be denied. And its high points are masterful. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Wow. Yep, so that's what, seven, 17, yeah. yeah, 17 out of 20 for different class. Okay, so on to the Arctic Monkeys debut, whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. The strength of the songs on this album for a bunch of lads in their early 20s releasing their first record, both musically and lyrically, is remarkable. Compare it to Definitely Maybe, which is a favourite album of of both of you and I. And has some phenomenal songs on there. Very few, if any of them, reach the depth of what you get mm-hmm. on this album. And none of them are anywhere near as wryly observed as what you have to get into here. Again, there's a couple of all-time indie disco classics in Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor and, and When the Sun Goes Down. Certain Romance is a, is a beautiful track. Um, again, there's a couple of tracks I'm not hugely fond of. One I really dislike. That's just a personal thing. I can't, I can't say any other reason that it's just a personal dislike. I think they did better work later. I think as they matured, from 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 a very accomplished and proficient bass, I think as they matured as songwriters and as musicians, their output grew stronger. I I'm gonna have to just bring this down to personal preference and my reflections on going back to listening to these albums again in researching this clash. I didn't respond quite as warmly revisiting this album as I had when I revisited different class although I still responded very warmly indeed. So I'm going 8 out of 10 for whatever people say I am. That's what I'm not. Okay. So it's very difficult to kind of add anything to to what you've said there. 
the maturity of the writing mm. within this album is unbelievable. You would expect this kind of level of a veteran of someone who's who's well into their career, not at the start. And they are perfectly poised and positioned vignettes of life in the in this in this period. There are so many classic classic lyrics and lines in here and music and you know that's not even getting into the music and the songs are great yeah so for me that i had uh perhaps vampires is a bit strong as my weakest song on the album and i don't really dislike it it's just i had to pick one and you know it, it's really hard this um i didn't i didn't expect to come down this way I had an idea beforehand that the pulp would be because of the nostalgia, because of everything it means to me, uh-huh. that I would react stronger to it. But it was the opposite to you okay. that I reacted stronger to this because it meant it meant a hell of a lot as well. And but I was just overwhelmed by. As I say, like lyrically, I can't get past it. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm comparing against Jarvis Cocker, who is one of the best <laughs> observers of British life. Yeah, but this is this is fantastic and encapsulates so many different elements. So it's brilliant. It's not perfect. Nine out of ten. It's a draw. It's a draw. I hate draws. Fine. Okay. No, it's a draw. I'll, I'll... Two brilliant albums, difficult to separate, and I think that's borne out by the fact that ultimately we've we've both just had to go on gut feel about how we felt listening to them this time round. So I think frustrating, although it would be for the listeners, I think a draw is 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 probably it's fair. It's the right thing because it it's so hard to split them. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So, the heavyweights of Sheffield are inseparable. Uh, they have both scored 17 out of 20. Bruised, battered, but leave the leave the ring unbowed. Indeed. Well, very good. Very well put, sir. Yeah, both get 17 out of 20. So, this clash ends in a draw. Sorry, guys. So, where are we going next on our road trip? It's uh, You have you have the, um, the map. You have the car. I do. Uh, so, I'm going to take us... I mean, this is a poorly planned road trip because uh, we're going back across the Atlantic again, (laughs) back to the States. Okay, now our carbon footprint's huge. (laughs) No, we've got a uh, a catamaran that we've whittled out of... uh, out of bamboo. So. <laughs> is it the one from um, from Waterworld? Waterworld, yes, it is. Yeah, and I've got gills, so uh, we'll be okay. <laughs> uh, right, so going back back across the Atlantic to America, and we've we've had two clashes now, which have been very guitar focused. And as we like to do every so often on album clash, we're going to mix it up in terms of the genres a little bit. So, Kev, we are going to Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, I'm excited already. And in two weeks' time, I will be taking us through 1967's I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You by Aretha Franklin. Oh, yes. And I think you'll be even more excited about the album that I'm going to be asking you to take us through. Because, Kev, you will be leading us through from 1972... 
I'm Still in Love with You by the Reverend Al Green. Oh, oh that is just lovely, lovely stuff. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Oh, yeah, I, that, I am banging to this clash. Yeah, brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I thought uh, let's move away from white fellas with guitars for a little bit and uh, we're going to get our soul on. Good stuff. Good stuff. Indeed. All right. Okay. That is in two weeks' time. Uh, in the meantime, Kev, Twitter. So, obviously, there have been loads of things with uh, Space Karen. <laughs> Better known as Elon Musk, uh, since he's bought Twitter. Particularly enjoyed him being booed for 10 minutes straight uh, last night at uh, Dave Chappelle's gig when he um, brought him on stage. Um, But I'm going to just read this quote from from you, and then I'm going to make a heartfelt plea to uh, Mr. Musk. So, So he was asked about why he bought Twitter, and he said it wasn't any one thing. It was just like, okay, I think, and I can't exactly say why, because it's one of those things where... It's like my biological neural neural net said it's important to buy Twitter. And just like with a digital neural net, you can't exactly explain why the neural net is able to understand an image or text. What? So, Elon, this is a message from Album Clash to you. <laughs> There's no such thing as silicon heaven. <laughs> Where do all the calculators go? They just die. They just die, Elon. <laughs> There's no such thing as silicon heaven. Oh, God. What a bellend. <laughs> um, so, if Twitter does still exist, you can go to our Twitter, at Clash Album. If you like carefully curated quality content, you can go to our Insta, at Clash Album. Or if you, too, also want advice about silicon heaven, you can send us an email to albumclash at gmail.com also don't check out Chris Barry's um, website because no. unfortunately Rim has become a conspiracy balance yes indeed I was I was crestfallen when uh, when you shared that with me last yeah. week Kevin oh very good are, are we are, are we ever going to get a mastodon are we doing I, I, it looks confusing to me I, so. do, I don't understand what it is <laughs> no it's it, well it's a it's a metal band isn't it <laughs> exactly I, I'm not signing up for a thing that like I wouldn't sign up for Slayer <laughs> no indeed or Pantera Megadeth <laughs> uh, right enough of this silliness um, thank you for listening guys we hope you've enjoyed our trip to Sheffield and the albums that we have gone through. Keep in touch with us. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Just a reminder, your homework for our next episode in two weeks' time is to listen to Aretha Franklin's I Never Love the Man the Way I Love You. Uh, until then, however, I believe I am the being known as Timothy. And I am the beast known as Kev. And we shall see you soon. Take care, guys, today. Ta-da. Take care, yourselves.